everybody. This is Mel. And this is Jill. And this is Mel and Jill Geek Out. Hey, Jill. Hi, Mel. How's it going? It's going pretty good. How about yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, I don't know about you, but my TikTok feed has been just flooded with Risa Tisa's Who the Hell Did I Marry? Yeah. Story. Um, have you seen this? I've seen it. I have not taken the time to watch a 50 part series. No, thank you very much. It is quite long. I will admit I have not watched the actual series. I I just can't imagine. It just seems like if it's 50 parts and they're all the 10 minute long videos, that's a lot of time. And it seems like you may have ignored a lot of red flags. So and I do see the people keep saying like somebody needs to write a fucking book or put it in the show or like Hulu, give this bitch a deal. Cool. I hope it makes that it that far because I am not going to watch a 50 part TikTok series. Not would I watch a 90 minute documentary about this, though? Sure. Yep. <laughs> sure. But here's the do other. You, do you want the Cliff Notes version of what happened? Yes, because I was going to say, because this is the problem. I have yet to see anyone give me enough information other than this man seems to be cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and a really good liar. I would argue he was not actually that good of a liar. I also did hear the bit about him talking to himself on the fucking phone. Like yes. pretending to be talking to people on the phone. So I am aware of that. But okay, that's about as far as I got. I was like, this isn't interesting enough for me to watch 50 parts yet. Okay, so... Cliff Notes three-minute version is woman, Risa Tisa, meets man, who she gave some random name to. We're going to call him, who the fuck cares? Legion. Random dude. Legion. That's the name. So she meets Legion. They match on two different dating apps, which should have been like a yellow flag that he's on multiple dating apps, but it's fine. So they started dating. A few weeks in, COVID happens. Okay. They move in together. Because I feel like that's just some random shit people fucking did in COVID. Like, not a great choice. Yeah. But did it. She ends up getting pregnant. They have a shotgun wedding. <laughs> yes. So did they have she the baby? unfortunately okay. loses the baby. I was going to say, sad. I don't remember. No one is a big fan of miscarriage. So then he's talking like he's got... Buku Bucks, okay? He says he is a VP of a condiment company, okay? High up in the ranks. Says that he has money and that they should buy this house. But when they meet with a realtor, he can't show proof of income. Mm-hmm. You as a former realtor understand that that is a gigantic red flag. Girl, do I have a story for you. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. So, first that happens. Mind you, he talks every day on the phone to his brother. And then during COVID, his like stepsister dies, his grandmother dies, his other 
family member all die of COVID, okay? People just dropping left and right, okay? Jesus. Left and, like, stepdaughter-in-law or whatever, I don't know. People be dying. Dropping like flies, okay? But things are starting to get sus, okay? So he's like, okay, you know, I know you're upset with me that we couldn't buy this house. I'm going to buy you your dream BMW. They go... Doesn't end up working out, doesn't get the car, but he does end up getting a very nice work car that he doesn't keep at the house, like where they're staying. He keeps it elsewhere. That's yep. What? Yep. Yep. So wait, no, no, (laughs) no, I'm sorry. <laughs> what do you mean you don't keep it at the house? I'm sorry. That is These were not questions she was asking. <gasps> Excuse me. So <laughs> later, you know, things aren't going great in their relationship because Are you, you know no, really <laughs> And then he surprises her with her dream trip to London. Gonna go to England. Mind you, it's an itinerary on a piece of paper. Oh, God. Shock it out. This shit ain't real. Okay. And then shit just starts crumbling down. But, like, did she show up to the airport? No, not quite that bad. But shit is crumbling down. Okay. She ends up finally kicking him out, filing for divorce. Lo and behold, it comes out. Oh, one of the things he said is that he had a bunch of money in an onshore and offshore account from being a arena football player because they make so much money. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't help myself. Okay, I'm convinced. <laughs> Why didn't people fucking leave with this? <laughs> I don't know. She fucking believed this shit, though, okay? What? So it turns out every morning when he was on the phone, he wasn't talking to nobody. He was literally <laughs> talking to, to himself. himself. <laughs> That's where that plays in. Um, he actually had a twin brother oh. who actually was the VP of a condiment company and owned this car and this fancy car he was having was his brother's car. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, like, he's crazy. Like, he keeps telling all these lies and saying all this shit. And so she ends up going to the police because he would call her, like, 30 times a day and be like, he's stalking me. And so... The next time he came over to her house, like they're divorced. Okay. It's like done at this point. She he comes over to her house and then he gets arrested. It is at this point, this lady is like, I wonder if he has a criminal record. <laughs> what? <laughs> so she looks him up <laughs> and he does in fact have a no criminal shit, record. Sherlock? Are you kidding me? I don't remember what it was all for, but something around the theft kind of thing. Um, she's not the only woman he has done this shit to. No, of course not. Of course she isn't. So that is the very readers. There's a lot of other shit that goes on in there, but that is the reader's digest version of what the fuck happened. Oh, I would read that book. I would read that book. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that sounds funny. Oh. Yep. I tell you what. Yep. Had I been her, do you? I would ask questions. Okay. A long time ago? 100%. Yes. But when you said he, could, he was having issues, was in the very beginning with the house when he couldn't yep. provide proof of funds. And I say that because I have a story. When I was a real estate agent, I had this couple request, like I worked for a larger agent who had several like buyer's agents. So you would go out and basically show houses for people. Right. And just be, that was like your sole job and everything kind of went under the like umbrella agent's name, but you earned a lot of business that way. So anyway, you would get leads come in and you would kind of get assigned to them. So I just happened to pick up the phone when these people called in and they asked about a specific house and it was in a high end neighborhood in Savannah area, which has some money. This was not a cheap house, you know, probably close to a million dollars. And I am not going to just show a random person who wants to see the house like a million dollar house. You have to have like proof of funds. So we requested it. So he sends it over. I send it over to the buyer's agent, like saying like, hey, like here, or excuse me, seller's agent, whatever. Like, so we schedule the showing, we go, they put in an offer. They go out of town and I needed the earnest money check. And they're like, hey, we're, we've gone out of town. We're going to, we're putting in the mail, but here's a picture of it. So I took it, I sent it. This is not entirely uncommon. So like, yep, it's in the mail. It's in the mail. Never, ever showed up. But I started getting like I started. He was less and less communicative. By the way, I forgot to mention this is the best part. This is a pastor. Yes. Of a local church. Uh-huh. And they already lived in a very wealthy neighborhood. And this was definitely a big step up. So um, whatever. But I saw the proof of funds, right? So then uh, he, get, he gets less and less responsive. And then I finally get a phone call from the seller. You know, we're communicating all the time, like arranging things or whatever. But she calls me and she's like, hey, she's like, where did these people come from? Like, where did you like, did you know them or anything like that? And I was like, no, no, no. It's like, they just called in, you know, they gave me what I needed and we just went from there. It just kind of worked out. And she was like, okay, so turns out <laughs> he had doctored it. That wasn't real. The wife had no idea. Um, he made up some bullshit excuse to her. And like withdrew the contract, canceled the contract or whatever. But on my end was just like putting me off and putting me off and putting me off. Yeah. 
I was like floored. I had no idea. I would never have thought that in a million years. And so now, like, if I hear that, oh, I am immediately suspicious because you like that is not something that like you can't you can't wiggle your way out of that. You know what I mean? Like, that's a problem. That should be a huge fucking red flag. Huge fucking red flag to somebody. Uh, it's a red flag to me that a pastor was trying to buy a million dollar home. Oh, listen. There was lots, lots of red flags, like and not in like, not in the financial way. But I was like, oh, man, this was an interesting, an interesting couple to string pair. Yeah, it was. Hmm. But who am I to judge? I mean. I judge a little. I mean, I do, but it was fun. It was a, it was a, that was it. I, <laughs> it was like, do a lot of like <laughs> data entry sometimes. Like I have to look through like lists of names and stuff for my job sometimes. Uh-huh. And I, some of the names you come through, I'm just like, yeah, please tell me that it's not your legal name. It's, you would be surprised. Oh, no. There was one that was just insane. I sorry guys. Confidentiality. I um definitely told Jill the name offline, <laughs> but because it is a very unique name. Yeah, there is no getting around that one. There's no hiding around this. This is not like Jane Smith Mm-mm. where there's a billion of them. No. Very you would know their name. Oh, a thousand percent. You would know exactly who it was. Yeah, and on the off chance that this person should ever listen to our podcast. Yeah, no. I'm not going to put them out there like that. That is an incredibly unfortunate name. Why would his parents do that to him? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Oh, it's awful. I don't know. Well, I would have changed it. At 18, I would have changed my name. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Was he not? Girl. In the way that I told you that I came across this name, you and I both know well over the age of 18. Oh, shit. Oh, I didn't even... mm. Why would he not? That, oh. Okay. Yep. Anyway. um, Anyways, we are going to get into today's episode that also has some really fun names in it. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. So we are going to jump back into Iron Flame. We are going to start out in Chapter 11. We are going to get through this book eventually, guys. Um, I swear. I swear. I swear. I swear. So Chapter 11. Hang on. I forgot to set my screens up so I could split them between Jill's face and the outline. Don't judge me, guys. Well, I took two seconds to do that. I was so prepared this time. I was busy. Listen. Doing something that if I tell you what I was doing, it's just going to create a tangent. No, it's fine. No, I'm not complaining. I'm just excited that I that I was I was prepared. prepared Yeah, that's all. That's all. 
So we open chapter 11 and Jacinia has come to visit the writer's quadrant to deliver the first of these very old books to Violet to talk about the first six. So she keeps Violet keeps up this lie about needing it to for an assignment to help protect Jacinia and herself after seeing some of the things that are going down in the quadrants. Not great. Um, so as this is happening, a screaming second year is dragged into the courtyard by Professor Markham. And Jacinia turns to Violet and she's like feeling really guilty. And she thinks it's her fault because the writer that Markham has requested a book the previous day, which she recorded that he requested that book because that is their normal procedure and obviously it's something about that book that Markham was not happy about this guy requesting you're, you're looking like you don't remember I don't <laughs> <laughs> I gotta be honest with you I don't it does in fact happen I promise I believe you I just like I don't know why I have zero recollection of this so Jacinia ends up leaving, but doesn't mention what that book was. But this whole scenario leads Violet to finally kind of realizing how dangerous this, quote, assignment she's given herself really is. Like, it could get not just herself, but Jacinia in incredible trouble and potentially worse than just trouble. Okay, that I remember. And I remember thinking, like, again... No shit, Sherlock. Like, what does she... What does she think is happening? Like, does she think this is a game? I think she forgot she's in the middle of a war. Like, for real. And these people... She now knows the truth, but I don't think she realizes how desperate these people are to keep their secrets. To continue to hide the truth. But she, I guess that's the thing. I feel like she should. I know, but like she's in idiot mode. It's like after the trans, like after the, the, the events of the end of fourth wing, Violet got stuck in stupid mode and somebody needs to flip the switch back into normal protagonist mode. Yeah. I, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm not. I'm sorry if everyone heard a meow. Apparently my cat broke into my office. Hello, Pico. Yeah, Pico de Gato is here to say hi. So anyways, Violet's squad then meets on the flight field with their dragons and they are doing running landings. And um... It's not looking great for Violet to be able to physically be able to do a running landing. Yeah. Not looking great. Uh, I think at one point Taryn says something along the lines of, um, don't you fucking dare. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember those exact words, but that sounds about right. I don't think it was those exact words, but it was pretty much like you are not getting out of your seat. You like you tiny, tiny, chompable human. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Varish does come up to her and is asking why. And Darna isn't there, though. And 
He isn't super happy about it. Uh, Taryn is also super unhappy about it. His response is just like, remember, I will digest him. (laughs) (laughs) I love his little like snarky quips. They're so funny. Taryn is my absolute favorite. I love him so much. Um, And so Varish very blatantly says that if Violet does not bring Andarna to training next week, Violet is going to suffer the consequences. I don't think that that is fair. I don't think it's fair either because Violet straight up says like, I can't make a dragon do anything. Yeah. And he fucking knows that. So it's like, I'm just, it's like really just saying like, I'm going to punish you. So, yeah. and I think he's very curious about what's going on with the feather tail. That's, but there is a little section that I want to read out from this exchange. Okay. Of Varish talking. It's ironic, don't you think? Varish asks, retreating one step at a time. From what Colonel Ados told me, your father was writing a book on feather tails, dragons which haven't been seen in hundreds of years. And then you ended up bonded to one coincidental i corrected him the word you meant to say is coincidental wait what did he say what, what was the first word ironic i think the important piece of information from this little snippet is that violet's dad was working on a book about other tales yeah I mean, he clearly was trying to impart some information to Violet here. My question is, understanding the larger implications of this book, obviously, like, major spoiler alerts. What if he wasn't writing a book about feather tales? I don't think he was. What if he was writing a book about some other kind of thing with the dragons? And what if that's... What if, I, I firmly do not believe that Violet's dad got sick and died after after Brennan. What do you think then? Oh, I think he was killed. Well, yeah, I assumed. Because he, he had figured out too much. I assumed he was killed, but I couldn't quite figure out by who. I don't know who yet. But I 100% think he was killed. Oh, I'm with you on that. It's very interesting for me. <laughs> So after flight maneuvers, it is time for Violet to leave for her first trip to Samara to visit Zayden, a.k.a. so that uh, Sagale and Karen can do their thing. And Bodhi is walking her out to the flight fields to take off. And she discovers as a get to Taren that Bodhi and the other Rebellion kids have actually hid some paraphernalia. On Tarn in order to get it to Zayden and get it to the front to get it to the Griffin Riders. Mm-hmm. And in that exchange, Bodhi has a little bit of a Freudian slip and he unintentionally accidentally mentions Cateronia. Is that how you pronounce it? Maybe Catriona? Catriona? Katrina? We are going to call her Cat yep. for the rest of the book. Name's because Cat. Because that is what she gets called yep. for the rest of the book. 
Um, and kind of lets it slip that she was involved with Zayden. Yeah, and then Violet goes into immediate insecure girlfriend mode, which is so, so annoying. annoying. Because everyone has a past. Yeah. Like, unless you're literally high school sweethearts. Get over yourself. Everyone has a past. Yeah. Um, I get very annoyed with her in. Oh, same. Just a minute in regards, like, in just a little bit around Kat. Um, but as she is getting ready to leave, fucking Barish shows up. Oh, before that happens. Sorry. Bodhi then confirms that there have been other assassination attempts against not only himself, but Imogen as well as Aya. So everybody who was there. Everybody who was at the attack has had at least one assassination attempt. It's not looking great. No. And then Varys fucking shows up. And searches her bags. Do you want to know what I think of when I hear that name? Varish? Yeah. I have zero reason to think this, but I'm just going to tell you. He's a worm with a mustache. (laughs) I don't know why. That's just. Is that why you. Do you picture Tom Sandoval as Varish? No, I just. Like, he's definitely older, but like, just slimy. It's the same vibe, I guess. It's not that I'm actually picturing a worm with a mustache, but it's the same vibe. Oh. Manipulative fuck. How? Okay, this is like a super weird HP reference, but I think of Karkaroff from Goblet of Fire. The former Death Eater, kind of a fucked up pussy. No, 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 I remember. I just... That's, That's the, who I picture. See, he seems really spineless, I guess. Mm-hmm. And Varish seems way more, not spineless, but like manipulative. And that's the like, sa- that's the vibe I get from Z- Sandoval is manipulative. Yeah. So maybe that's where it is. That's, that's what. Any of, any interpretation is necessarily wrong. No, no. I just think he's slimy and I hate him. Agreed. Slimy and I hate him. Sorry if you heard me popping my next Topo Chico hard seltzer. Not sponsored. <laughs> I wish they would, though, because I'm pretty sure that's all both of us drink when we do these. All really what we drink while we They're do these so anymore. They're so good. I'll yes. say this. They're a little dangerous because, you know... You don't feel it. No. And then all of a sudden it hits you like a truck. (laughs) But it's like, no, genuinely, because it's like, oh, my God, they taste like water, like flavored water. And then you really forget there is alcohol in them. You really do. Yeah. So that brings us to chapter 12. Um, And I'm going to read out the beginning little snippet thing that we get at the beginning of the chapter. So Gail watched me kill another cadet for bullying Garrick during thrashing. She says she chose me for my ruthlessness, but I think I just reminded her of my grandfather. 
this I just think serves as a great reminder that Segal bonding with Zayden is unique because it's not common for dragons to bond with direct blood descendants. I think it's I feel like they don't make those things super clear in the book. They just kind of sometimes expect you to know stuff. It's just, Mm -hmm. yeah. I think she wants you to ask the question of, is this normal? But that's my argument, is that in fantasy, like, you don't know that. Yeah, without the world building, you're not going to. Exactly. So it's like, I don't, I know that that's the question you want me to ask you, but I'm not sure. Are you going to answer it? Yeah, it's like, you're not really answering it, though. Very fair. We want to make sure we answer the world building questions. Mm-hmm. I think we maybe get an answer. A little, yeah, not right away. To, to that specific one. Not right away. No, it takes another two thirds of the book. It's fine. So Violet it gets to Samara and they, it, let's just say that once she finds Zayden... It gets a little hot and heavy. He is in the fighting pit trying to get one day off to be able to spend it with her. And he is do he's like, I can't not kiss you, but I'm not going to fuck you until you essentially let me back in. I'm fair. I mean, fair. Boundaries are good. Healthy relationships are good. Violet is fucking annoying because you know what I would have done and like I don't love this about myself, but you know what I would have fucking done the moment my little feet <laughs> landed in Samara? What? I would have marched my ass to wherever the fuck Zayden was and been like, who the fuck is Cat?" <laughs> you know what Violet doesn't do? She doesn't ask who Cat is. Doesn't fucking ask who Cat is. No. Drives me fucking nuts. I'll say, the okay, so question. I'll say this. I don't need to ask that question. I know who Cat is. I've got it. They at some point was an ex. There were feelings there. Do I probably need to know some details at some point? Yeah, but like I like I don't need to know who she is because <laughs> I've already figured that out. See, this is this is this is me being a mildly toxic person sometimes, <laughs> and this is something I've had to work on in my life. I would have marched up to him and been like, you know how you want me to ask you questions? I've got one for you. <laughs> Who the fuck is Kat? <laughs> I mean... Because he wants her to ask questions. There's nothing wrong with it, but I get it. But like, there, I don't know. That's not where I would have started. Been like, okay, so clearly catch your ex. Like, how big of an ex? Like, how big of a deal is this person? Yeah, that's kind of where I would have been like, We've already established that that's been a thing. So that's a thing that happened. Yeah. It's like, how um, big of a thing was it? You know? Yeah. And the fact that she's just unwilling to have that conversation and just falls into lust in- instantly. Like, she, like, he's hot. We get it. Zayden is hot. He's a shadow daddy. We, we get it. There's so much more to a character than like, he's hot. And ripped and six foot five. This is where I feel like 
Rebecca Yaros's limitations of writing come in. Because that that is like that's kind of how I felt in the first book. Like he's hot and he's morally gray. And that was kind of it. There wasn't a whole lot else there. And then it's got I don't know. I know we learn more. I know we do. But at the same time, I'm so with you on this. Like this felt very immature. Oh, yeah. I was like, are they 16 yeah, or 21? Exactly. Like, I don't understand what's happening. It here. feels very immature. Yeah. Like, I have to actively work on not calling them children uh-huh. because they are not children. Mm-hmm. They're young adults and they're annoying me. Yeah. No, this was super obnoxious behavior. Super fucking obnoxious. So they do have this whole conversation. Like I said, Zayden is not willing to have sex with her until he wins her back. No touchy. No touchy. <laughs> no touchy. Which I appreciate Zayden being willing to set that boundary. Good for him. I'm very proud of Zayden and his communication. I want to throttle Violet for her inability to communicate. Yeah. She that we're gonna keep this we're gonna keep this hearing that. Like, we are gonna continue to be Yeah. This is like a whole thing throughout the whole fucking book. And it's it is a theme I didn't need to have. No. So they also talk about the alloy um that absorbs additional power um and boosts the wards. And this is also the same alloy that they're using to make the weapons. And so when the alloy weakens, it has to be re-imbued. And it's a process that she does not know yet. And he's like only like third year and up writers know how to do this. So yay for setting up something for us to have to learn down the line. I feel... I wish they would have just fucking explained it. Yeah. I mean... That's really stupid that they think that like, oh, only third years do that. It's like, well, okay, but I'm work. I'm like living and working with third years. Like what makes you think I'm not going to hear what's going to happen? Like it's unrealistic to pretend that you don't know anything about it. Well, it's like RSC. Like I I get classifications and like all of that kind of shit. But at this point, it's like they're all Mm -hmm. if you survive threshing and you bond with a dragon, you should just fucking get to know everything at this point. Because it, not telling everybody everything is causing a world of fucking problems. I guess that's the thing, though. It's like, what? what's the real goal of doing all of that? I don't know. I don't know if there is an actual purpose outside of not wanting to reveal too much information too soon in these books. In order to continue to have nuggets of information to drop well, down the line. Yeah. There's that. I Honestly, I don't see a plot reason. No, I'm with you. Or motivation to not be revealing this information now. Mm-hmm. Because I have a feeling, spoiler alert, we're not even remotely close to this yet. But I have a feeling whatever it requires to re-imbue the alloy probably has... Similar properties to runes. Yeah. 
they're probably very fucking similar. It wouldn't surprise me. So we get a lot of that explanation in here. But it's just too much of a setup. It's like, I don't. That is yeah. it's not a natural flow to the story. Because the natural flow to the story to me would be like, oh, I'm going to figure that out so I can learn this quicker so we can be more prepared in the war. Yeah. So that when we're ready and I figure out how to create the ward in Erasia mm-hmm. and extend the ward with the, the other ward stone, then we may don't maybe don't need this fucking thing from the, the Duke or Viscount or whatever the fuck he is. Mm hmm later down the line in order to make more of the alloy i'll know how to imbue it so like maybe i can like put something in the ward or you know what i mean like this is the frustration thing is that we are constantly told that violet is so smart but then she's not doing smart things yeah she's making dumb choices for boys she's 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 doing like elementary level logic here Uh and we got told that she is supposed to be like a postdoctorate level logic person. So, yeah. And then they continue to train Violet in her mental shields to protect herself from people like Dane. And. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's nice to get a chapter with the two of them together where they actually have an opportunity to communicate. I just wish Violet was fucking better at it. She's terrible so bad terrible so motherfucking bad so that brings us to chapter 13 and i'm gonna read the snippet for you because i feel like it's important bring it out through the chain of command may be consulted the final say in any academic punishment or repercussion lies in the commandant's office dun 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 Anyways, so Violet gets back from Samara and she has this interesting as she's flying back into Basquiat, she has this very interesting conversation with Taryn about the secrets everyone's keeping from each other, including the dragons. Mm-hmm. And he Taryn says, I'm always holding back secret dragon knowledge, but boards are not among it. His ten his shoulders tense, rising slightly, and he beats his wings slow. We're being ordered to the practice ground. Oh, that part's not important. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I only get to skim these things before we start recording, guys. So sorry in advance if sometimes I read parts I don't need. So always holding back secret dragon knowledge. I mean, do we really expect to know everything? No. But I think it's interesting that it's this point that is getting reiterated. That there is secret dragon knowledge. Yeah. And I don't think all of it gets revealed in this book. No. I want to know what the fucking dragons know. I want to know what the dragons know. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't help myself. No, that's good. I like that. <laughs> so when sh- when they land, Carr and Varish are there, and they're pissed because Andarna didn't show up for stuff, 
and they are going to punish her by making her essentially use her signet over and over and over again to the point of burnout. And she mentions that her signet, like it's her ability to draw strikes lives in her most extreme emotions, whether that's anger or lust or fear. And I think it's interesting that it, her signet is so emotionally driven. Okay. I, I say that only because we don't get to really see inside of anyone else's head. Uh-huh. And so we don't know how their signets function. That's true. Is this unique to her? Is this just how signets are? Is there a better way for her to connect with her power that isn't so tied to her emotional state? But do you think these are questions that Rebecca Yarrow should have answered? Like as good world building questions? Or do you think that she's trying to use it as part of the plot? I think it could be both. I think that there's world building in explaining the magic system of the signets. Mm -hmm. But then there's also character development that can happen within Violet in regards to how she connects with her power, unless it has to be emotionally driven, which I just don't feel like it needs to. Like, how is ice emotionally driven? I don't... I don't know. Yeah. I think it just gives her more so the ability to do it than anything. And I think Varish... The way I read that whole scene, obviously it was like a punishment thing, but it was also very much for him to see how far he could push her. Because it was just about repeating it over and over and over and over again. She does it like 40 some odd times during that. Yeah. And ends up hitting burnout. But there's something interesting that Taryn says. And I feel like Taryn, he's a little bit of the Hermione of the iron flame world where like pay attention to what they say because they randomly have good information so he says during all of this process Solus should never have given this barbarian more power okay I find this interesting because the writers don't have power their signet is it manifests only through their connection to their dragons. Okay. So how is a dragon giving him more power? I don't know. Should I know? I have theories. What are your theories? Can we talk about your theories? I mean, it's major spoilers. So spoiler alert, ding, 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 spoiler alert on a crazy theory. I think that Varish very potentially was Vedin before he bonded with Solus. The same way that I think Jack Barlow was Vedin before he bonded with his dragon. Hence 
those dragons giving them more power. Maybe. It's a good point. I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. Didn't think about that. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to have to marinate on that. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Melissa's crazy theories. <laughs> and apparently Mark he must have crashed in his F1 game. Yeah. So Violet literally almost dies from having to wield so many strikes in such a short amount of time. And Taryn ends up flying her to a river and literally dunking her underwater because essentially she's like on fire but on the inside of her body. Yeah. That is how burnout is described. And the other writers from Athbin show up to try to help her. And she learns a little bit more of all of these targeted attacks that have happened against all of them. And it's just, it, it's nice to see the support that comes out, but also like, don't get all together. And it's by the tree from Fourth Wing. From when they have like the secret rebellion uh, kid meeting. I didn't I didn't I didn't remember that. It's by the tree. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not a great idea. Like them getting well, but they kinda all have to get together at the same time. So Because that's how they can hide from Melgrin. Exactly. It's a great and shitty solution all at the same time. They go catch twenty two. It's, yeah, majorly, majorly, majorly. And so Violet is now um, paranoid. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, I think it, she thinks that um, Mark had someone killed and uh, she doesn't trust Pancheck anymore. She doesn't trust anyone. It's a little sad. She doesn't even really trust her friends. And partially that's a little bit of Zayden's fault saying that like if you can't lie to them, you have to distance yourself from them. And that doesn't really work out yeah, well. No. And they're heading to they're at like combat training and Sloan still sucks. Um and so Violet's thinking through her plan of how the fuck she's gonna tolerate, like deal with that. And on their way to physics, um, the gang gets kidnapped. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's not all that serious, actually, guys. Uh, so we go into chapter 14 and they find out that they are participating in their first round of RSC training. Yay. So they have been <laughs> thrown out into a forest with couple of infantry units and a scribe and a couple of healers and their job is essentially to navigate their way to this point but before they get out they get handed these flasks of water it's not really water no nope. so it's described in the book as We'll, we all uncork our skins and drink the water is crisp and cold but there's something else there too 
pungent, earthy, and something bitterly floral that I can't quite place. The closest skin cringing at the aftertaste. They've been dosed. They have been dosed. That is exactly what has happened. They This mystery potion cuts off their connection to their signet powers and their dragons. They can still kind of use their signets, but like only a little. Yeah, this was a giant fuck you. A hundred percent, because what a betrayal from the professors, because they're supposed to that's like the one thing like when you bond with your dragon you always have your motherfucking dragon and your power and they cut that off and it's interesting because they also mention that this is a new development in RSC this is the first year they've done this so they're doing it to everybody not just them Mm mm-hmm Still not good. It's not great. I'm really suspicious of why they would develop something like this. Yeah. Why would the Dragon Riders develop a potion that can block connection to their dragon and their powers? Or was it something that they developed for something else well, th- that they realized they could use for this as well? Well, I think that probably the intention was to use it on the wyverns. On the venom? Venom, yes. And then I think they realized it worked on them as well. Or that's how they developed it in the first place, was doing it that way, just assuming that the connection was the same. Yeah. So. It's interesting. It's interesting. Interesting that this exists. So there's um obviously some quadrant squabbling that happens between the infantry and the writers. Obviously, the writers think that they are superior um and then they quickly learn that the infantry actually know a fuck ton more about navigating on the land this sounds i don't know very real life this is the most realistic depiction of how military branches interact with each other that i have read in this book 100 percent It's like the army talking to any other branch. No, see, it wasn't even that. You can do it within the branch itself. Oh, yeah. You could do pilots and then grunts and then medics. Like, (laughs) yeah, like it is. And then like that one comms guy with the big backpack. Exactly. It's like. It's because the the writers are very fucking clearly the pilots here. Like, oh, oh yeah, a thousand percent. I'm not entirely oh, yeah. sure who who scribes would identify with the the comms guy, but the whole yeah. There's usually one comms guy in a unit. I'm just talking as like. 
as a profession in the military? Comms. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So this little excursion that they go on goes really swimmingly in that they argue so much that they forget to cross-reference the maps that they were given and then they realize they were given different maps and then they argue about which forest that they're in and they just argue and argue and argue and argue. It just sounds like a bunch of fucking teenagers. About two hours into this challenge, they get a surprise visitor known as Babe. Oh, Fucking Barlow's dragon. Are we surprised? Um, I wasn't surprised. I was just like, this is going to end poorly. Poorly. Yeah. <laughs> and it does. An infantryman dies mm-hmm. because he tries to run away, even though the fucking writers told them not to run. Yeah, that was. That was real dumb. <laughs> Yep, it was terrible. Also, all of this is taking place during the weekend in which Zayden and Segale are visiting. I forgot to add that little fun snippet. Oh, yeah, yeah. To all of this. Um, And they are unsuccessful at getting to their destination. And they were the, quote, top units for this. And so the the professors are a little bit um, not thrilled with that. Oh, sorry. That's in chapter four. 15 before we get there <laughs> um i just want to think see this thing that riddick says um so when babe comes up and she's all like being scary and stuff riddick says gods they smell scared meaning all of the infantry and people when did he have super smell no one else can say that they smell scared Implying what, though? When did he get super smell? Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, either everybody has more than one fucking signet, or Rebecca Yaros did not make a good enough map of who has what fucking signet. Could it be a figure of speech? When have you ever in your life said, gods, they smell scared, smell being in italics? Like for emphasis. When have you ever said somebody smelled scared? I'm not sure I put it exactly like that, but I think I have said something to that effect before. I have never said anyone smells scared. Looks scared. Well, yeah, looks scared for sure. But like, I would. I think I would say it in like reference to like someone being ext- Like, I could tell that like they just reeked of it. I don't. I just did it without realizing it. Like that's what I'm saying. Like they would just like reek of being scared. So like, I guess I could see myself saying it, but so. But I see where you're coming from. It could be exactly what you're saying, but I that's how I read it. I just I, re- I read it as like a like Jesus Christ. They're like about to piss their pants. 
type thing. I would say that they're like shaking in their boots then or something. Like, yeah. I wouldn't. There's no smell associated with fear unless you are a literal animal. Humans can't smell fear. <laughs> unless you have super smell. Your face is just like very serious. I'm very serious about how specific I'm getting about this fucking book. Okay, I'm just saying that. Okay, okay. So yeah, then we jump into chapter 15 and we, you know, their team struggles. Shocker. And like not liking each other and all of that kind of stuff. And Violet's like this isn't so her friends are all complaining about this being kind of a cruel task and she's like yeah guys no it's not this isn't cruel this is this is reality we have to get used to this because this is what we're going into and so they're getting all picked up and one of the infantry people Dyer who was like kind of like the head infantry guy with the unit that they were with. He tells, cause she, Violet helps him not get barbecued. He's like, anything you need, I am at your service. I owe you a life debt. So there's one. Somebody owes, feels as though they owe Violet a life debt. And I feel like in fantasy novels, these are not minor things. Oh yeah. I'll give you that. I forgot about it, if I'm being honest. This is why I highlighted it in my book. (laughs) I've seen a few TikToks where it's like, I just finished reading that book. Five minutes later, entire plot gone. (laughs) I do have books like that. Iron Flame is not one of them. (laughs) I remember the highlights. I just don't remember all the details. All of the major plot points. Yes. Yeah. You don't remember the nonsense like I have because I'm rereading the book and tabbing it. And I'm not even like obsessively tabbing it. Like it looks crazy. It's honestly not that bad. I go for pages and pages and pages and don't tab anything. Not on this particular page that I'm actively looking at. I have literally three. <laughs> yeah. I just, I guess I'm not, like, I've never tabbed my books before. Like, do you do it, like, on your own, or is it just because we're doing the pod? I did this one this way specifically because we're doing the pod, but I would do it for Iron Flame, Fourth Wing, SJM. I would do it for those because there's so many subtle things. And I did it in college when we would have to read books for, like, class. Gotcha. Like, I took a humanities class and we had to read, like, some very highbrow fiction things. Mm -hmm. And I did it for all of that. Gotcha. Mainly because I had to ask my professor why the fuck he made me read some of this shit. (laughs) In case you don't know there is a play written by wallace sean and you all know who wallace sean is because he is the guy in princess bride he goes 
that's inconceivable. Oh, inconceivable. Yeah, so he's that guy. So he wrote this play called The Designated Mourner. It's actually a very good play. I'm not going to lie. Um, but 18-year-old me, because I was 18 when I read this, was not emotionally prepared to read a scene of a man who is deeply depressed, masturbating to the sounds of the people in the room next to him having sex. No. Considering I grew up in a very conservative household. Oh, my God. Like, very, like, buttoned up. Not emotionally prepared. I don't don't know if anybody is. I don't think anyone is. You're right, but... 18-year-old me sure as hell wasn't. Okay. It's a scene that happens in a book. (laughs) It's kind of like the end of um, Grapes of Wrath. Yeah, that's real depressing. When she, like, her baby's gonna die, so she feeds the old man with her breast milk. Yeah, I could have gone a long time without ever remembering that. Thank you very much. (laughs) If it haunts me, it has to haunt you, too. Jesus Christ. And I read that at 15. Did you ever read Flowers in the Attic? Oh, yeah, that shit's fucked up. I never did. Uh, There's like a Lifetime movie adaptation of it, too. I mean, I know what it's about, and I remember my mom told me she read it, and I remember my mom being like, don't read that. (laughs) It's not good. (laughs) I would not recommend it to you unless you were like, I want to read something that's going to scar my psyche. (laughs) No, I don't. I don't think I do want to read that. You don't want to read that? No. No? Okay, so I I would not recommend. Is it like sometimes um, certain stories don't need to be told? Yeah. Yeah. That's one of them. There I could think of some other ones too, but yeah. That is one of them. <laughs> You're like you are correct, but your face is just so funny right now. <laughs> I I wish I hadn't read it. Let me just say that. It's gross. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's gross. Anyways, (laughs) back to the book we are reading. And I would recommend to people that's not disturbing, even a little bit. Um, So they get picked up from where they were and they get are given a drink and it's something sweet and hard to place and I drain it. And this is the antidote to the poison or the potion that they gave them that cut off their connections to their dragons. So I just think it's interesting that the one that takes it away is like a bitter taste. And then the one that gives it back is a sweet taste. Yeah, I found it more interesting that the scents and flavors were vaguely familiar to her. Yes. Vaguely familiar is also very interesting. Yeah. So it's like, hmm, I wonder what it is. 
Mm-hmm. I wonder when it is, too. We do not get confirmation on anything. And so this is when Taryn confirms that this potion is a new development, and he is not a fan, which you should just eat more people, and then maybe less stupid shit would happen. That seems to be his M.O. It's like, I'm just going to eat some motherfuckers. just eat some motherfuckers. Yeah. Like, problem? Eat it. <laughs> yeah. It is interesting. And Brianna is also starting to put some some things together that something is fucking off. She, you know, points to the garden inf- infirmary doors, this elixir, all of the assassination attempts. She's like, something's fucking up. Yeah, because she's not fucking stupid. She's Brianna is not fucking stupid. I'm like, fucking Violet in this book. I'm so fucking annoying yeah it's violet drives me nuts but violet also gets has to miss because she's out in the wilderness all weekend she misses spending time with zayden well i think we know that was intentional i 100 percent think all like this is not a new development it is it goes for like a few weeks before the two of them are able to have like another real conversation with each other because they're literally kept apart by Varish and by his command, which are probably doing it because Varish fucking tells him to. Yeah. And it's probably because she won't produce Andarna. I mean, I don't think it's probably. I think that's exactly what it is. And that and he's just a sick bastard. Yeah, he is kind of an asshole. He is a fucking turd. I <laughs> an asshole and a half. <laughs> oh god, I don't like him. No, I don't like him. Like he's got great motivation. I will say that. Like he, when you learn more about him as a character, he def like you understand why he is the way he is and why he's just a fucking disgusting human being. Mm-hmm. But. At this moment in the book, I was just like, really? Is he just being evil to be evil? Did we just need a new evil person? Because Zayden didn't turn out to be evil. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And he was who you were afraid of most of the last book, or supposed to be. But <laughs> I don't who think was? I don't Rebecca think Yaros was. planned on book talk understanding how that, you know, shadow daddies work. Yeah. Why are you making that face? What? I don't know what face am I making. <laughs> You're making a funny face. <laughs> That's just my face joke. Come on now. Well, sometimes I'm like, sometimes you make faces. I'm like, I am not following what you're trying to get me to pick up on. Girl, like, I love you to like the ends of the universe. <laughs> but sometimes I need you to catch up and live inside my brain and and have these thoughts with me okay I need you to do it I I try I try it's just sometimes you have great points that you bring up I will say that thanks but I spend too many waking hours contemplating the shit in these books I'll give you that. Like, sometimes I'm like, I don't know where you got that one from. Like, yeah. I pick up on, like, 
itty bitty tiny little kernels of shit and then I make it blow up inside my mind. It's like a nuclear bomb of information that gets connected well, together. I that's fair. I feel like I've done that more so with the Throne of Glass series. Yeah. How's that going? It's going good. Is it? Is it? How how far into Throne of Glass are you? I'm at twenty percent in my Kindle. Oh, so it's going really good then, it's right? Going good. It's going good. Yeah. No, no, it's not. Everything is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and it hasn't gotten better yet. No, it's about to get a lot worse too. So. Oh, is it? Is it? How's mm. it going to get worse? Well, um, Kale just showed up to. Uh, his dad's house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's about to get a lot worse. I gotta get... Oh. You know, Kale's gonna do his thing. Yeah. The Rooks, the Rooks are there, and we'll see how many survive, so... Um... Not many. Not many by the top of your voice. Uh... <laughs> I'm just going to say I'm disappointed you haven't sent me a thousand voice notes asking me who's going to die. Any concerns about anyone at this point? You didn't even you passed the point in which I was 100 percent sure that you were going to like send me a voice note like sobbing for the first time. What? No, now you don't get to know until we cover it on the pod. That's not fair. What was it? You don't get to know. I don't. Yeah, no. I'm just. I'm going to call this. There's something that happens. And. I'm pretty sure you're going to be just as annoyed as I was. Okay. And it's pretty close to the end of the book. Okay. It's like, you know, pretty deep into the book. And if you don't send me a voice note shouting (laughs) what I think you're going to be shouting, (laughs) I'm going to be really disappointed because I feel like you just will not be a true Throne of Glass fan if you don't shout this at me. I think... I think part of the thing was, is like I had read a good chunk of it, but not absorbed very much of it and then went back and reread. So I felt like I was like. No, I don't know. I was like just trying to absorb the content that I missed rather than. Being in the story, but I've hit I've I've moved past that point now. I'm past the point. So I'm in the in the new shit now. Kale's gonna go have to talk to dad. Oh yeah. Well, Irene already went on. Irene already yelled at him. So we stand for Irene. Yeah, yeah. We stand Irene. She maybe um, didn't make all of the great life choices that she could have made. Yeah. Yeah. She made a pretty stupid one, in my humble opinion. What are you talking about? (laughs) 
getting pregnant going into oh, a war fuck, zone. yeah oh god okay yeah <laughs> i definitely forgot about that i did send you a voice note about that right or a text you did. <laughs> i was like not again just pregnant, seriously i was like no it's like i don't need this yeah, again she's pregnant at the end of tower of dawn yeah i was like she put her hand on her belly right that's what that means <laughs> yeah she's she's prego yeah yeah. I don't remember if that point if she has actually told Kale. I don't think she has. I'm like almost certain she has not. So you get to look forward to that conversation. Oh, that's gonna be real fun. I can just imagine how Kale will take that. You know Kale gets better. Tower of Dawn is very helpful for Kale. He learns a lot. We'll see. About being a not shitty person. Well, I hope he continues. He learns his lessons in Tower of Dawn. We'll see. (laughs) I'm not gaslighting you. I'm telling you the truth. We'll see. I'm not trying to red herring you. I just don't like him, so I don't know if it'll be enough. Um, I really only, like, post-Tower of Dawn, I didn't dislike Kale. I really, old, like, I like Irene. I'm like, okay, she settled for Kale, in my humble opinion. Like, she could have done better. She, she could have done better. She's like a super powerful healer. She could have done better. Yeah. I yeah, emotion emotionally though I feel like they were right on fucking par with each other. I feel like she could have done better, but I like Kale's and Dorian's friendship. I find it so fucking weird. <laughs> you know who they remind me of? <laughs> what? You're gonna say Corey us. Matthews <laughs> and Sean. <laughs> I could absolutely see that. Yeah. Yeah. Dorian is Sean. Yeah. And Kale is Corey. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That's who they remind me of. But as adults, it's weird. You know what it gives off as adult vibes? Hmm. Wedding crashers. Yeah. I, I mean, the two of them together, in my humble opinion, gives me more Wayne's World. No. Dorian's too smooth for Wayne's World. Uh, Dorian has the Riz. Has the Riz, for sure. He, he has some Riz. He got all of Kale's Riz. Oh, yeah, Kale has not. None. None. The only reason he got Selena is because he looked like Sam. I guess that's it. I I did not understand that from the beginning. When when you have Dorian right there, yeah, I'm like Dorian's right there. This is not the choice I would have made, but okay. I mean, how do you like Dorian's current love interest though? I like her. I like Manon. I love Manon. I like Manon. So, but that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. You have a lot more to read. I do. Some shit is about to go down. I don't know. I can tell. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're going to call it here. Yeah. We will come back and jump into chapter 16 next episode. Not like the next released episode, but the next Iron Flame episode. We'll jump into chapter 16 and we will get more details about what is going on here in Iron Flame. Uh, any final thoughts on these these few chapters? We got through quite a few. We did way better Five. this time. That's a lot for us. We did way better this time. I'm proud. I'm proud. I'm proud of us as well. Anyways, uh, thank you all so much for listening. If you want to check out what is coming up next on the pod, be sure to give us a follow over on Instagram. It's Mel and Jill Geek Out. Or if you have a suggestion of what we should geek out about next, go ahead and give us a shoot us an email over at Jill and Mel Geek Out at gmail.com. Again, my name is Melissa. And I'm Jill. And this has been Mel and Jill Geek Out. Bye guys. Bye.